This Worship in the Word session you're about to listen to was recorded live at this year's Indiana Bible College Music Festival 2018. This year's clinicians included Charity Gale, Kevin Howard, Aaron Curtis, and many others, and all of the Worship in the Word sessions, concert audio, day session audio, and handouts are all available for purchase at www.voicevision.com. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast, and today we have Dr. Janice Jostrand, and this is her Worship in the Word sermon entitled, Spring Up, O Well, Sing Ye Unto It. Dr. Janice Jostrand. Jostrand, are you ready? What a tremendous... And wonderful lady, and thank God for her, her giving of herself in so many different ways. Of course, pastoring in Ohio, and she got a Dove Award back 500 years ago. Just kidding, for that wonderful song, Alabaster Box. Isn't that an amazing thing? She's an educator working in public schools, a vocalist, a musician, a writer, a composer receiving all kinds of awards for her work. She's, of course, a mother and a family. God bless them all, and we appreciate your work. Would you give a great big welcome to Sister Joe Strand? We love you, girl. God bless you. Alabaster Box. Wow, what a great song. Special. You may be seated. It is an especial privilege of mine to be here at Indiana Bible College for Music Fest. This is wonderful. Thank you for coming for Worship and the Word. How many of you are IBC students? Okay. Well, that was a... How many of you are not IBC students? Okay. Well, we could start the wave from left to right here. That would be exciting. I want to know how many of you... More exciting to some than others, apparently. So how many of you have parents and grandparents who raised you in church with the knowledge of baptism in Jesus' name? Raise them high because I'm having trouble seeing. That's what I thought. So there are a majority of people in this room who are probably at least second-generation Pentecostals. Is that correct? Some of you, how many of you are third-generation? How about fourth? Okay, it's getting a little bit smaller. Any fifth generation? Okay. Sixth? Okay, there are some. All right. So I would say to you that probably in this hour, there are more generational believers in baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost than ever before because of families. Now, that's very important to what I'm going to say today because if you lose the family dynamic, then you will believe that you are just in an association of people. And the temptation for your talent to take you other places is going to be enormous. But if you understand that you were birthed into a family 
And not just biologically, you have a legacy. If you're a second-generation Pentecostal, you already have a legacy. That means that somebody went before you and conquered some places and cleared some spaces for you. So that means that there's an investment already made in you because somebody paid a price to make it easier for you to get where you are. That's a very physical and natural response that requires some show of gratitude. It's like eventually, although you may take your parents for granted now, and this is not what I'm going to speak on. I'm just prefacing my remarks. Although you may take your parents for granted now, you are sitting at their table eating their food, using their resources to support you till you can stand on your own two feet. Usually until children themselves become parents, very few of them recognize the sacrifice their own parents made for them to get where they are. I guess it's like a saying that I've heard in the Midwest. It's hard to cuss a farmer with your mouth full. A lot of times we talk about loyalty and fealty and stability and constancy. But I want you to understand something. These are not terms that are just to be bandied about for the sake of speaking something from a 60-year-old woman, almost, I should say 59. I shouldn't own 60 till I'm there, right? 59, thank you. 19 in my mind, 59 and holding. But I want you to understand that God values those principles. And this whole thing began in a garden with God and a son by the name of Adam, then a wife, then children. And from Genesis to Revelation, the discussion between the Old and New Testament has been about a family that was divided because the Israelites were at least cousins to each other, if not brothers. And the New Testament is about taking a disparate group of people who are not biologically related, but connected through the blood of Jesus. We are family. You have to get that in your head if you're going to understand what is being required of you. This is the first time I've ever addressed the constituency and parents and people following a Bible school. It's not lost on me because I didn't go to Bible school. I went to a secular university and I got a terminal degree in education and have had a secular profession. But I am coming back to tell you that God could have produced to himself brilliant, talented people. He has been looking for through millions of people and eons of time, a family for himself. We use terms like father, son, brothers, sisters, and bride, which is why I still teach that it's appropriate to put brother and sister in front of people's names. It's not because I'm archaic or antiquated. It reminds me that you're just not John 
or Ben or Caitlin or Mary. It reminds me that because of a birth, because of blood, because of name, because of lineage, because of heritage, we are connected and we are connected in a continuum that stretches back to the day of Pentecost, which was a reconciliation of what was lost in the book of Genesis. This thing began in a garden. It was culminated on Calvary in a garden. And when it ends, it's going to end in a garden where we sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were part of a family. So, now that I have your undivided attention, I want to talk to you on this subject. Spring up, O well, sing ye to it. I could spend a lot of time right now telling you about my personal testimony. I could tell you about abuse that I went through as a little girl that was muted in my life and kept silent until I met my husband and I began to tell him my story. I was never violated to the extent that some people were, but I was marked enough to know that it wasn't normal and it affected and afflicted me. But what it did for me, because I had no counselor, is I spent a lot of time praying and then I fought for the right to worship unashamedly, hence the alabaster box. It's amazing that worship can be considered taboo depending on how extreme it is. I'm not suggesting to you that handstands or handsprings are appropriate in a skirt and a bun, but what I am saying to you is this. When you have been set free, you have a different perspective about worship. It really doesn't matter. These young people are blowing my mind with their skill and their intensity and, and their absolute perfectionism. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to learn to dig a well for yourself without drums, without a tambourine, without a guitar and a bass. You're going to have to do it whether you can sing or whether all you can do is sign. You belong to a family that came from a divine connection And I'm challenging you today to sing to your well. So the Bible says in Genesis, the 26th chapter, the first verse, and I'm going to be reading several, and I want you to follow with me. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. This is cyclical. Nothing we're going through now has not been experienced before, which is why the Bible is always relevant in every time. There is a truth for each generation. Until the end of time, it will always be relevant to us. It is ours to find the connection. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar, exactly like his father did, because the Lord told him, you go down into that land and stay there. And I'm going to do something with you. We can't build an enclave to keep the world out or to keep us in. Every stitch of clothing from my head to my feet and everything in between comes from this world. I'm in it, but I can't be of it. And people have already established that precedent. And so Isaac went down. Now, remember, he was a son to Abraham. It's all about the family, folks. It's all about the family. 
And the man waxed great, verse 13 through 18, will be my next section, verses 13 through 18. Do we have that up? Is that possible? Genesis 26, verses 13 through 18. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. The blessings of the God of God maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. If you live in this life, you never pick up a microphone and sing, play the drums, or work on a praise team. If you follow the Lord, you will be blessed. But there will be strife and contention. Jesus said, those of you that follow me will have houses, lands, mothers, fathers, everything you gave up, and with it, tribulation. It's going to happen. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. So there was water to be had, but it had been stopped up by an enemy. Everybody say, there was water there. Now I'm going to tell you something. You can go a long time without food, but you can't live very long without water. Water was essential to the lives of these nomadic peoples. And it didn't matter how green the valley, if they couldn't find a well, it wasn't worth staying there. I'm going to tell you something about your life. You may be talented, intelligent, academic, and all of those things that Brother Mooney spoke of yesterday. You may actually understand Stephen Hawking's and math. And you may understand spoken language and be able to elucidate. And you may be able to understand music and scales and octaves and chords. But I'm going to tell you something. Your talent will not insulate you against life. Your ability, your knowledge, your strength. You're young and strong and fabulous. But time and circumstance happen to everyone. And we are at the end of the end. We started with Alpha and we'll end with Omega. You're going to need water. And we travel in a family group. you got to get that concept in your mind. And Abimelech said to Isaac, get away from us. You're much mightier than we are. A separation. He would have stayed there if they would have let him. But the jealousy compelled them to eject him. Verse 17. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley. He was at a low place now and dwelt there. Verse 18. And here it comes. Second generation. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So Isaac had to go back and do what his dad did. Second generation, third generation, fourth, fifth, sixth. You can sit on a Pentecostal pew and have a name that is dignified and known and a lineage and a heritage and go to hell in a handbasket because you can't ride on your mama's coattail. You can't be carried in your daddy's briefcase. You're going to have to find an altar and dig a well for yourself. You are flesh like everybody else at 2, 12, 26, and 56. And there's only one thing that will take us through. And it's water. There's time to say, spring up, oh well. Sing ye to it. God's not going to mess.
measure you by your ability, but he wants to know how much love has been nourished by water from heaven. How much peace, how much joy. What does your barometer say about where you are? I want you to notice Isaac dug four wells in this 26th chapter. When I was 15, I thought if I could just get my driver's license, I would arrive. It was the first major disappointment in my life. Thus began the process of ticking off the boxes. Okay, so it didn't happen when I got my first car and I drove. But when I graduate from high school, I'm going to hear bells. There will be angels singing. Something's going to happen to me and I will be transformed. Okay, well, that didn't happen. All right, all right. When I get married, I will literally hear the bells. You know, weddings are really for guests. The bride and group don't get to enjoy them so much for all the preparations. And a honeymoon would be better spent probably maybe two to three months after the marriage when you really need to get away. We got this thing all backwards. I realized finally that there was nothing that was going to transform me except experiences with God. And I would love to tell you that it was all the wonderful places in my life that produced that. But I was driven by need every time because whatever was feeding me stopped. And when Isaac dug this first well, because it was a desperate situation, they had to leave their comfort zone now and travel to someplace else. He dug a well and he thought, I'm going to be able to settle here. This is it. We've got water. My expectations have been reduced a little bit. We had an open door in Gerar, but, you know, that, that hasn't happened. So now I'm kind of getting, the, you know, the golden child, Isaac, the only son, the one around whom everything revolved, is now not living the life of the golden child. He's having to produce things for his family that his dad had done for him. <clears throat> At first, well, he settled in, and here come the Philistines. And they said, that belongs to us. And he had to decide whether he was going to fight or capitulate. And I'm going to tell you what he did. He said, take it. All right. But he called that well Esek, which means contention. I'm going to tell you something. You will be driven by your thirst until you dig a well that comes from a source that never runs dry. When you get a blessing in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, you can drink in that well for as long as it lasts. But I'm going to guarantee you a Philistine is coming to rattle your boat, to shake your parade, to upset your apple cart. And you're going to have to do what Isaac did. And he left that place. And he went again to another place. And he dug a well. 
And he got water. He said, I'm here now. Thank God I can drink. I passed through that. I got over it. And they came again and said, you've had six days of drinking or a month of drinking or whatever it was. This belongs to us. And they contended with him and he called that one strife. I think they got a little physical about it. He was, he was pushing the limits. He said, I'm going to fight for this. And finally he just said, forget about it. I, 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 I'm going to have to go further. You know, sometimes when you're living too close to the Philistines, what the Lord is doing is saying, I want to move you out to a different direction. I don't want you riding the fence right next to your enemy. And finally, Isaac got away from him as far as he could get, and he dug a well. And he called it Rehoboth. He said, God has finally given me a wide place. Nobody wants this because I'm too far out. I know throughout my lifetime that the way I have worshipped, my adversaries told me, you're out there, girl. But you don't know what I came through. Say, well, were you third generation? I may have been fourth. I don't know. But sin is the same. And whether you're the sinner or the one victimized by it, you're going to have to find God for yourself. And it's not enough music in the world that will prevent you. There's not enough music in the world that can heal you. But when you get a hold of something that gets a hold of you, I'm telling you, you'll find out why we travel as a family. Lift your hands. Finally, Isaac found his father's altar. He went to Beersheba where his dad had found a well of water. He knew his dad had been through the same things he was going through. And he used his father's life as a pattern for his own. Never before have we been able to sit. And I'm looking at the Daniel generation, the young people in this hour who have been raised in, in a heritage, in homes. I know that when Pentecost began, we all came from the street. Everybody had stories of abuse and horrible things. And, and I'm, I'm not suggesting to you that because we are third and fourth generation that the flesh didn't come with us. Because I'm going to tell you what, you've still got a nasty nature. Your daddy being a preacher won't protect you from yourself. But Isaac, Isaac started following his dad's pattern. Why would you try to reinvent something that it took so long for other people to fix for you so that you wouldn't have to make decisions about stuff over and over again? I'm like, just take me to the road because it's, I'm not arguing about the road. I've got to find the courage to walk it and come to the end of it. Everything else is a distraction. He went to this other well, to this other place. He went to Beersheba where his father made peace with his enemies. He built an altar and he sacrificed to God. And and then he found water there. And God gave him a promise there. I said all this to tell you that wells are part of our heritage. This was literal well digging, but I came to tell you that that I live between the search for water and the need to get it. My life is not some pristine paradise 
It's hills and valleys and deserts and seas and oceans and plains. And and I have to gird myself because I can't sit still long in any of those places. I'm on a journey. And if you live long enough, you're going to go through everything I've been through. The details of your story will be different, but the path of discipleship is the same. Follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And we live in between crucifixion and resurrection. Paul said, I die daily. Say, well, that's not what I had in mind for myself. I know. And I thought if I could drive at 16, everything would be phenomenal. Genesis 26, 24 through 25. This is what God promised Isaac. And the Lord appeared to him the same night. And said, I'm the God of Abraham. Do you suppose it took him three wells and contention to get to that final place? I have found that when I am at my worst moment, there's an adversary that is always whispering in my ear, just give it up. Just give it up. Just, just quit. Just back off. Just back off. You say, you're kidding me. I wouldn't lie to you. I am here to tell you the truth. The authentic life of a disciple is always perilous. My battles are not out there. They're here and here. And for every angelic word I hear coming across the pulpit, there's another one that is appealing to my natural self. And the Lord said, you made it through. You kept digging, Isaac, because water was the main thing. I am God of Abraham, thy father. I'm your dad's God. Say family is everything. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy, my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there his servants digged a well. Let me tell you something. I'm not standing here because I studied books or got a degree in theology. I'm standing here because I have spent sleepless nights and tormented days digging wells to find promises like Janice. I will not leave you. I will go with you. My confidence is not in my ability. My confidence is not in my education. It's not in my youth because that's fleeting. It's not in my family because they're fragile. My confidence is in the Alpha and the Omega that dug me out of a pit and a rock and called me by name and I'm going to live with him and die with him until he comes and gets me. Spring up a well. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've been trying to get over or what you've been trying to get through. But I'm telling you now, you're going to have to dig till you break through your flesh, your carnality, your shame, your embarrassment, your struggle. There's water right under your feet. Hey, well, what does this have to do with us? This is a music conference. I'm getting to that. Numbers 21, 16 through 18. Now a father and a son has become a nation. They're all cousins. They're distant, but they're related. Stir a stick long enough among us and you'll find somebody who's related to somebody that we know. 
I think we all come from the same tree. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob got 12 sons. And it moved away from that little nuclear family to an explosion of 600,000 men in addition to women and children and a prince among them, Moses, the lawgiver, who rose up and said, this way out of Egypt. And they began their journey. And in verse 16, we see them taking the same nomadic trek that a father took and a son took and their daddy took and then their fathers took and now their children. From thence they went to bear. That is the well whereof the Lord spoke unto Moses. And he said this. I asked the Lord numerous times, what do you want me to tell these people? He said, I want you to tell them this. Gather the people together. And I will give them water. Do you know what a church service is? It is a gathering together. For one purpose. Water. It's not a concert. I love concerts. I'll tell you something. Music is not the end. It's the means to the end. It's not a spectator sport. It's well digging. And he said, Then Israel sang this song. Spring up! Oh, well, sing ye unto it. The princes digged the well, and the nobles of the people digged it by the direction of the lawgiver with their staves. I don't have a stave here, but I'm standing on a stave. I looked that word up, and it says their support staff. What were they doing? The princes, the leaders, the worshipers started doing this with sticks. And they began to break up hard, dry earth. And the people started singing. I know they call us holy rollers. And I tried it one time just to see what it felt like. Because I'm all in. I'm not a fringe believer. And I'm not looking for fringe benefits. And I don't want to be with friends with benefits. I have had a promise of a new heaven and a new earth. I can't sing good enough to create a miracle. But if I can find a well, something happens in the presence of water. Hallelujah. So I'm looking for songs and singers that will sing to my well. Lift your voice and shout to the Lord. The world can't imitate this. They can play music. They can dance. We can do everything they do. They can do it better. The difference 
are people looking for water? Lift your voice. I'm going to hear a shout to the Lord right now. My God, spring up a well. We'll die without water. Say, well, you haven't convinced me yet. I'm so sorry. One night the Holy Ghost hit me and I ripped my hair down. And I went at it like a whirling dervish. Say, what were you doing? Were you trying to stir something up? No, something stirred me up. You say, give me Bible for that. I thought you'd never ask. Zephaniah, the third chapter and the 17th verse. And this, in my opinion, is the litmus test of every song that comes through my congregation. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. If the Lord is not in the midst, then just skip it. I'm, I'm changing my look. I'm going out. I'm going to party. I'm going out in a blaze of glory one way or the other. But I'm not going to sit on a church pew and pat my foot and be a mediocre, living, lily-livered, vanilla white sap sucker when I can have nuclear power changing me. I've already been to hell. I've already been in the tomb. I've already been bound with grave clothes. He called my name and brought me out and I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to places where I'm afraid to dance. I'm not going back to places where I can shout and sweat and rejoice in my salvation. Spring up a well. I want the musicians to come. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, I creep into the prayer room. God, it's me again. I don't have a clue what this church needs. I have no idea. I do their counseling. I am bone dry and weary and worn with care. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm talking to my well. (laughs) It's been covered up with Philistines. Cares of life and pressure. And say, why are you telling us this? Because if you don't dig, you'll die. The scent of water. The Bible says that in Isaiah that a stump will be left. A stump. He's going to cut them down to a stump because they're liars. And they don't value what I gave them. And they'd rather have cisterns that hold no water. He said, but there's going to be a remnant left that says we will do anything we can to get water. I'm looking at the generation. I'm overwhelmed to think that these are the young people that unashamedly are going to worship God. Like the prophet when he said, worshiping him a mad dance, spinning like a dervish. Are you trying to work it up? No. I'm giving explosive manifestation to what's building in me. The Lord thy 
Everybody say mighty. Zephaniah 3.17. I want it up there. If you don't remember anything, you remember this. This is how I lead worship. I sing to him until he sings to me. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I'm not asking you to be ridiculous. I'm not trying to be a show. The show is already here. He is the resurrection. He promised water. Come on, boys. Follow me like we used to do.
in my mind, break through in my spirit, break through in my soul, break, sing it to him, I dare you, I dare you to sing it again, break
Hallelujah. 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 Praise your name, God. Praise your name, God. Hallelujah. 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 What an awesome word today by Sister Joe Strand. Thank you so much for the word today, taking us back to that well. I'm reminded of a sermon I heard many years ago by Cleveland Beckton, Brother Cleveland Beckton, and he, he described the way we worship like this. He said, we oftentimes worship, but we get, we get confused because our eyes are looking out expecting a response of some kind, or we're looking at the person next to us. He said, here's what you ought to do. You ought to drop a curtain right in the front of the platform all the way around because really worship is all about lifting up and communing with one. It's not about the person next to you. It's not about the choir behind you. We are worshiping to an audience of one. I wonder what would happen right now. I, I, you're doing great. You're, you're worshiping. I, I know we're in a crowd here and you can get lost in the crowd. But what would happen if we fired the song up one more time and you just pretended there was nobody in the room but you and your Savior? If there was nobody in the room but you and your God, you and your Redeemer, what would you do if it was just you and that one we worship? Come on, let's try it that way one time. Just you and God, nobody else in the room.
The sermon you just listened to by Sister Janice Jostrand, along with other concert audio and audio sessions, is available at www.voicevision.com. 